Kevin and his younger brother Ryan always looked forward to Saturday mornings because their mom made them pancakes, and that was their favorite food. And this particular Saturday morning, the boys were fighting over who would get the first pancake hot off the griddle. And their mom decided to use this as an occasion to teach them a lesson. So she said, boys, I want you to think for a moment. What would Jesus do in this situation? And the boys thought, and they hung their head, and they agreed that Jesus would give his brother the first pancake. And so Kevin said to his younger brother, Ryan, why don't you be Jesus? <laughs> the Son of God uh, did not come into the world uh, as a grown man. Rather, he entered the world in the womb of Mary, and he grew up, and he developed. And so it's good for us to reflect on what is the situation, the, the context in which God planned for his son to be raised. And we see that it was in an ordinary family, right? A family led by a father and mother. Kings often would have their sons who were princes be educated primarily by tutors, by those who are experts in various arts and disciplines. But God has his son educated and formed by Joseph and Mary. And we see, we don't know a lot about his early life, but we do have some important episodes that are recorded for us in the Gospels. For example, today's Gospel takes place 40 days after Jesus is born. The Holy Family goes to the temple in Jerusalem. A firstborn son, according to the Mosaic Law, needed to be consecrated. Luke also tells us another incident when Jesus was 12, that the Holy Family had went to Jerusalem for Passover, and Luke tells us, as was their custom every year. So we get the sense that the Holy Family was a devout family, and they, very, they followed very closely the Mosaic Law, all that God had commanded. Now, in the Second Vatican Council, in its teachings on the family, it used a term for the family which hadn't been used in a while in the church, and that term is the domestic church. So even just thinking about your family as a domestic church, I think is important. Right? So rather than church being something you know, where you, you go on Sundays, you drop your kids off at faith formation during the week, and you, 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 know, you let that be their almost you know, entire formation in the faith, to think of your home really as the primary place of formation in the faith. The, the, the home, the family, is meant to be where uh, you know, where we're evangelized, where we're formed in the virtues, the teachings of scripture and tradition. Uh, and so uh, about five years ago, I was reflecting on this because in our opening prayer, we asked God to help us to imitate the virtues of the Holy Family. And so I, I come up with five principles and then some specific ways of living out those principles that I think would be helpful for every Catholic family who is raising children. And I decided to call the, the, you know, those who would live by these principles J24 families. And that comes from the book of Joshua, chapter 24. Uh, in that chapter of the book of Joshua, the Israelites are about to enter the Holy Land, the land that God had promised after their wanderings in the desert. And Joshua makes this big speech in front of everybody. And he says... Listen, you guys have to decide. You can't sit on the fence anymore. 
you have to decide who you're going to worship. You're going to, are you going to serve the Lord God, Yahweh, who, who freed us from slavery in Israel, or are you going to worship other gods? And then Joshua says, as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Hence, J24 families. So I'm going to share these with you. Um, if you find them helpful or, or you just want to reflect on them more, I've posted them on the website. On the front page, there's a button that says J24. Um, so the five principles are putting God first, rejecting false gods, spending time together, using words to build each other up, and allying with like-minded families. So the first thing is we put God first. We attend Mass faithfully on Sundays and Holy Days of Obligation. And we commemorate other important days on the church's calendar. We pray together each day. We learn the stories of our faith from the Bible and the lives of the saints and understand our family story as a continuation of these. We serve the less fortunate. So I know many families in the parish who are um, practicing a lot of those things, and I see the fruits of that in their lives. I mean, and you might be wondering, you know, what is a, a celibate man, you know, what, is, what does he know about raising kids? And although I haven't raised my own children, as a priest, I've gotten to know a lot of families. And so what I'm sharing with you here is what I've observed and also reflecting on, uh, on the teachings of our faith. Uh, number two, we reject false gods. We do not allow work, school, hobbies, or extracurricular activities to take control of our lives and negatively affect our relationship with God and members of our family. Children under 16 in our household do not have smartphones or tablets of their own with internet access, and their use of internet is within the home is filtered and monitored. All members of our family moderate their use of technology, media, and entertainment. So idols are not just, you know, um, demonic spiritual beings or statues, but they can be other things that, um, that take a, uh, you know, that take the place of God, right? So what I found is sometimes extracurricular activities become uh, the dominating thing for a family. You know, they're traveling every weekend for tournaments or or dance contests, and sometimes they miss mass because of that, and, uh, and they miss out on some other important things they should be doing. Uh, and then most recently I've found the biggest idol are, are smartphones. Uh, and this is especially a danger for young people. So I don't know if you know this, but the average age that a child is exposed to pornography for the first time is 11. And I, I've seen now in my priesthood the effects of that after years of that how hard it is for people to be free of lust because of that. It's a big danger, and it's not the only danger. Right? Um, these devices and this media are designed to be addictive, and I see that, not just in kids, but in adults, uh, and they give you a very warped view of reality. Uh, you know, you can still buy dumb phones, which will help you get a hold of your kids. You can still call them and text them and and they can call you if they need a ride. When I've talked to some families about it, they are very resistant not to give their 12 or 13-year-old 
a phone because all the other kids in their school have one, right? Now, our grandparents used to say, well, if, if everyone else jumped off a cliff, would you do that too, right? <laughs> but the, you know, the, the idea, obviously, of they won't be able to connect with their peers. And yes, that would be a sacrifice, but actually I think that's a benefit as well. And we'll talk about this in the last principle. We spend time together. That's principle three. We share a meal on most days and share about our lives in conversation. We share responsibility for household duties. Everybody contributes according to their ability and without complaining. We have fun together, enjoying nature, games, and the arts. So one of the things that research has shown that um, when, you know, when kids become adults and they're very well-adjusted adults, uh, it's very common that they had meals regularly together as a family. So that's very important. And during that time, you share your day. Right? And you don't just let your kid, when you ask them how their day was, say, fine. <laughs> right? you, 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 it's a time for their learning how they can share about themselves and listen to the other members of the family. And I talk about uh, sharing responsibility for household duties. I am a big believer in child labor. A big believer. Now, not like sweatshops and factories, right? But I'm a big believer in kids working. We were blessed that we had a family business. I started working at the age of 10. As I reflect on the development of myself and my siblings, I see how important that that was. Fourthly, we use words to build up one another. We always tell each other the truth. We keep our word the best we can when we say we will do something. We give compliments to each other and say please and sorry and thank you. We give correction and disagree without attacking the other person's dignity. We've heard, you know, sticks and stones will break my bones, but names will never hurt me. Well, that's just not true. Sometimes uh, hurtful words, insults that are spoken can have a lifelong impact. In my house, there's nothing you could do to more quickly bring down the wrath of my father than to call your siblings stupid. And so those, those, that was banned from our family culture. And um, it's important, too, also, right, to be honest. Deceit can be corrosive in a family, uh, maybe not immediately, but over time as well. So our words are used to build up one another. Finally, we ally with like-minded families. We cultivate relationships with other families who share our values. We try to be a good influence on others by helping them get closer to God and live virtuously. When social relationships consistently lead us away from God, we reduce or eliminate the time and attention given to those relationships. So I'm not expecting that all of your friends are going to be devout Catholics. And indeed, um, in order to evangelize, we should make friends with people who aren't. But on the other hand, we need to be honest when, um, when instead of us evangelizing them, they're influencing us more in negative ways. And so sometimes you do have to eliminate those relationships or reduce the amount of time you spend with those people. And everyone needs to have at least a few important uh, relationships outside your family with practicing Catholics that can be an encouragement to you. No one in our culture can be faithful to Jesus as an individual or even as simply a nuclear family. 
we need to form bigger communities that will support uh, the truths that God has revealed to us and help us to live by them. One of the things the parish is going to do is to provide more opportunities for these like-minded families to get together and to share ideas and resources. That's going to be one of my priorities over the next few months is to facilitate that. May we be able to say with the holy family of Jesus, Mary, and Joseph, and with Joshua, as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord.